You're listening to Sphere Now, a podcast for environmental health, safety, and quality professionals around the globe. This is brought to you by Sphera, the largest global provider of integrated risk management software and information services with a focus on environmental health and safety, operational risk, and product stewardship. Now, let's get started. Hello and welcome to Sphere Now. I'm your host, Ellen Bremseth, and I'm joined today by Narander Paul. How are you doing today? I am very good, Ellen. How are you? I'm doing well, thank you. Now, I do apologize. We are having an ugly Christmas sweater party or ugly holiday party at the office. So if you hear any jingle bells, that Mm -hmm. is my sweater. And I do apologize for that. (laughs) Well, thank you so much for being uh, back as a guest on Sphere Now. This is your second podcast with us, correct? Yes, it is. And um, I'm excited to be back. Awesome. So just for our audience, um, if you didn't hear Narander Paul's last podcast, he is a seasoned operational risk management consultant with 16 years of experience at Sphera. He has worked with customers in various manufacturing and process industries, including precious metals, mining, defense, consumer goods, automotive, electronics, aerospace, and oil and gas. As director of product management, he helped to develop solutions for both quality and process safety management in these industries. He's a skilled risk assessment facilitator and trainer of various risk analyses, including HAZOP, What If, LOPA, FMEA, and FTA. He currently manages Sphera's training services for its enterprise software platforms, including Stature, Impact, Essential Suite, and Ops Info. So just thank you again, Narander Paul, for taking the time to chat with me. So for today, I have some questions from your webinar that was hosted on November 29th. It was the webinar titled, What is HACCP? And I'd like to start with those. Are you ready to dive in? Yeah, sure. Let's do it. Fantastic. So first question, can HACCP be used in the construction of the kitchen, dining hall, etc.? Yeah, this came up in the in the webinar, and uh, and we we thought we would try and address it here. Um, yes, if you if you are the builder, then there is value in doing a HACCP along with the other uh, risk assessments um, because you can control the design of what you are constructing. But if you were the food establishment owner or the food processing plant owner or the operator then probably not, because once the building is ready, you would use the prerequisite programs to optimize your food safety as an operator. You wouldn't have control over the bricks and mortar and the the roofing and the rest of it and the design layout and such. It's set, and you're going to work with what you have. So yes, if you are the builder, then there is value uh, in doing the HACCP at that time. So there's more on this I can share with you. Technically, <clears throat> you know, you can use any qualitative risk technique. Um, you know, they're all quite the same, uh, but what differentiates them is uh, the, the emphasis on certain parameters. In, in the case of a HACCP, you are emphasizing, um, you know, what's called critical control points. And, you know, that has a value that other techniques, although they have other versions of the same parameter, don't provide the same value as a HACCP would because of how it's, how it's done. So <clears throat> when you're looking at, let's say, the construction phase of a building um, of any kind, uh, whether it's a small little kitchen, which is a residential kitchen or a restaurant kitchen or a dining hall, or a large food processing plant or a global organization, uh, you know, the, initially you would have, you know, bricks and mortars and 
um, and, and concrete, wood and steel, et cetera. The, this is the part where builders have you know, full control uh, and they can make necessary adjustments. Um, they would have control over the design layout of the building. Um, they can control through HACCP, they can decide how that layout needs to be to optimize uh, because if they know the purpose of that building, uh, then it is it is value add to supplement their other risk assessments with a HACCP. So the manufacturers, for example, some of the other things that are involved in food processing uh, or agricultural sort of processing, the manufacturers of the insulation that goes on the walls and the roofs could do the HACCP for their products because they they know it could be used in a place where food is being um, prepared or stored and so forth. So they can, they would do a HACCP on it, except when you purchase the, the insulation uh, as an operator or, or an establishment owner, you wouldn't have that control. It is what it is, and you would need to know the specifications of it, and you look at it differently than, than if you were a manufacturer. So, <coughs> excuse me, individual manufacturers of paint, uh, you know, power water lines, uh, roofing appliances, and so forth, all the controls and instrumentation that you would purchase to put in your plant for processing of the food or drugs or medical devices. These are uh, things that you would put through a HACCP, uh, you know, yourself. Uh, you know, NASA used to use this principle of the critical control point that's in the HACCP to assess reliability of equipment and instrumentation for the space vehicle. So traditionally, uh, however, HACCP, when it came about, is used for anything or, or at any time that food or drug uh, safety is affected, directly or indirectly. And uh, during the normal operation of the building, once it's ready, the food processing area, the ergonomics in the operational area, et cetera, are automatically going to be a consideration you know, for, for HACCP. The manufacturers can evaluate their products, um, you know, like the packaging materials, uh, utensils, appliances, you know, the food processing equipment and machinery, anything with the potential for introduction of the three different types of hazards, you know, the physical chemical and biological hazards that we would be concerned with in terms of our food or drugs that, or medical devices that are essentially going to be introduced into our body can be uh, risk evaluated through this HACCP, uh, HACCP process. So during the webinar, you showed a HACCP study template. There was no column to show the impact of the biochemical potential hazard on the surrounding environment, personnel in the area, financial loss due to batch loss, etc. Do you think it would be a good idea to add this parameter in a HACCP plan? That's, that's a good question. I mean, you, it, it says very clearly that it's the physical hazards, biological and chemical, but the truth is the chemical hazards category is a pretty broad one. So the chemical hazards actually already include biochemicals. Um, you know, it, it includes naturally occurring, occurring uh, chemicals like allergens and toxins. Uh, you are supposed to look at uh, the synthesized chemicals like the agricultural chemicals, pesticides, fertilizers, and uh, you know, chemical contamination like uh, lubricants, uh, paints, uh, cleaners, and such. Along with that, the biochemicals such as growth hormones or antibiotics or vitamins and minerals, these are all considerations already in the traditional HACCP 
uh, approach. So in a sense, this is already there, it's implied. Um, but are you able to extend or expand your HACCP technique to look for other types of hazards? Absolutely, you can. It depends on the application that, uh, that you have. Whether it is a food processing plant, drug production, or a medical device facility, the hazard types you would look uh, for will be specific to that application. So the principle of the critical control point to assess the reliability of equipment and instrumentation it can be the same principle was used for space vehicles or when food was going to be um, sent uh, with our uh, you know with the astronauts uh, so nasa used the same principle of ccp but the same principle is now used for portable water uh, reuse systems as well so hasip application is quite um, broad, uh, but traditionally, yes, it, it uh, you know it, it is for those three types of categories, which include includes the biochemicals. So, in a sense, that's already addressed in the current methodology. But are you able to expand it to other applications? Are you able to expand HACCP to other applications? If that's the question, then the answer is yes. And for these different types of applications, are there then different types of HACCPs? And if so, how are they different? Right. That's that's one of the things that baffles uh, new um, new uh, practitioners because uh, because if you look at the HAZOP, which is Hazards and Operability Analysis or FMEAs, what you see is uh, while the main uh, principles and uh, approach uh, of these techniques, including the HACCP technique, is in fact uh, you know quite standard. So the FME is done in. Asia uh, or in uh, Latin America or some other part of the world, Europe and what have you, in, in the North America, the basic principles remains the, remain the same. But when you go to the individual sites, you will see customization. You'll see customization of the risk um, uh, criteria uh, in, in the individual sort of the, in the specific processes that, that these sites have. So, it, you know, HACCP is a systematic approach for identifying uh, evaluating, controlling, and monitoring of hazards. And that's pretty much the definition of the other risk assessments. What makes HACCP unique are the seven principles that it has. So the seven principles of HACCP don't change. So it's been out for about 50 years now. It was introduced in 1959. And um, the main seven, no, originally there were three principles. And in the 1990s, I believe, uh, uh, it was um, uh, expanded to have seven principles, and they have remained as such. So whenever you have, you know, step number one, conduct a hazard analysis and identify preventive measures. And step number two, determine critical control points. As soon as you say that, the CCPs, uh, you, you start to think about the HACCP because that's sort of the emphasis, uh, you know, that you that you would have put on, on that step versus in other techniques, while you would consider control points and you look at existing controls, you, you don't have the same emphasis on it. And step number three or principle number three is establish critical limits. You know, step number four, establish a system to monitor the critical control points and so forth. There's a corrective action step, verification step, and record keeping step. Most of them in on the page look very similar to, to the FMEAs and the, and the HAZOP. So 
Uh, if the question is, you know, are there different types of HACCPs? Yes, there can be different types of HACCP in, in terms of how you apply it. You could be a medical device facility using a HACCP, but your critical control point decision-making process could be different than someone who is a food processing plant making yogurt, uh, whose decision-making tree for the critical control point would be different. So in that sense, yes, you can have a variety of different HACCPs, but the main seven principles uh, remain, the, remain the same. I should also point out that the FDA website has uh, very good uh, reference uh, references for just these principles and steps of HACCP and also provides in their appendices two different decision trees that's, that people should check out. They are decision trees meant to help people, uh, users, um, you know, whether it's food safety management or medical device safety or, or drugs safety or pharmaceuticals, uh, to, to help um, identify critical control points, which is the primary focus of a, of a HACCP. Uh, and uh, this is something people should, should uh, definitely look up. And uh, at the same time, you'll notice that it's not something that is strict and rigid. It's an example. There are two decision trees. There are examples. But you can choose to customize or tailor those decision trees to your own sort of applications. Would HACCP still be effective if there are gaps in the prerequisite programs? So that's that's a very good question as well. Um, uh, HACCP is said to be most useful when the understanding of the product or the process is so comprehensive as to support identification of the critical control points. So you need uh, you know very very specific and scientific information about uh, <clears throat> about the um, uh, the process or the product that you are you are trying to uh, protect and apply you know safety management to that um, uh, you know that's you know so that's that's sort of the output of a HACCP analysis is a risk management tool that facilitates monitoring of critical uh, uh, control points. However, that being said, you can't apply HACCP without a prerequisite. Uh, programs in place. So it's not meant to help us control all the hazards. By definition, HACCP actually looks for only critical control points, not all control points. In fact, um, uh, you know, uh, they, they will uh, specifically exclude whatever the team decides as um, low severity or unimportant control points and actually exclude them from analysis. So it is deliberately looking at only the critical ones that are deemed critical by the team. So let's look at some of the things. What are these prerequisite programs? Um, you know, general quality systems, pest control, foreign material and defect control, uh, you know, and, and things of that nature. So let's say if you have a foreign material and defect control program, in your medical device facility or your or your pharmaceutical facility or your food processing plant or at a catering service in a restaurant, the program for foreign material and defect control will include things like control of glass and, and plastics and ceramics into your food products or your drugs or your other products that you have, the medical device sort of packaging and such. Registration of the glass and brittle sort of plastics or registration of, you know, or having items that are shatterproof, 
you know, and other sort of metal detectors and other types of sort of detectors. If you have gaps in this program, it could mean that you don't have shatterproof systems, in which case it opens up a chance for, let's say, gr glass particles to be introduced into your food products, just like um, Pillsbury had uh, glass uh, showing up in their uh, baby cereal food back when HACCP was uh, first being put together by Pillsbury. If you have a gap in your prerequisite program, like your foreign material defect control, well, your HACCP can't be very effective because now your HACCP, which looks at given the controls or the prerequisite programs are in place, what else can happen? We are trying to on a, on a routine basis, on a daily basis, as we are producing or processing our food and, and packaging it and, and creating our product, what could happen then? Well, we lose sight of that because now you, you have a gap in, in the foundation layer of your sort of quality system. So the, the, if the question is, you know, um, uh, would it be uh, still effective? Well, uh, you know, by definition, it would not be a good idea to, to do a HACCP uh, when there are known gaps in the prerequisite for known or unknown gaps in your prerequisite programs. You should really have a functional, um, you know, proper prerequisite programs layer in place. Uh, and then the, the application of your HACCP will, will be most effective. So you mentioned that on paper, a lot of the times, HACCP and HAZOP can kind of look similar. But what are those key differences between a HACCP and an FMEA or a HAZOP? And is either one sufficient by itself? Right. So if you do a HACCP uh, and you're very, very good at it as a team, and then you are introduced to a new technique, uh, an FMEA, and you are not used to the FMEA and you're confused by it, and despite someone telling you how good the FMEAs and are and how comprehensive they are, which is true, you shouldn't be changing your approach. So, for example, you are looking at food safety management and you, uh, first of all, traditionally, uh, when you look at FMEAs, you are, um, you know, traditionally they are meant for discrete sort of uh, manufacturing processes. So you're assembling consumer goods or other products and your, your interest is in the quality of the product. Yes, you can use FMEAs, but a HACCP is traditionally meant for um, you know, food safety and the difference is in the con critical control point, as I said earlier. So the key differences that, that you're looking for, uh, these would be in, in the fact that um, you know, a HACCP will, uh, you know, will have the critical control point requirement, a, a very um, strong focus in identifying with the use of a very uh, good decision tree um, that works for your application to come up with those critical control points uh, using scientific information about your products and, and how they are being controlled and at a very fine level of detail. So there is a very strong emphasis on, on, the, on the scientific nature of things when you do the HACCP. And it's on a, um, you know, uh, uh, at, the, at the level of, it's very dependent on, on, the, on the type of sort of operation you have. You could have two facilities doing the same thing with identical equipment and still come up with two different outcomes from HACCPs. 
So um, one, so number one, the critical control point, CASIP only considers the critical control points. Both, uh, you know, FMEAs and HAZOPs, they have risk matrices, but they are much better defined than it would be in a HACCP. In an FME or a HAZOP, uh, even though they are subjective and qualitative risk assessment techniques, they have, um, you know, very good descriptors for their severity and occurrence, and in FMEAs, severity, occurrence, and detectability uh, ratings. So an RPN, risk priority number for an FMEA, is a very good indicator for whether or not you need a recommendation. And it's not the team deciding, it's the matrix telling you that you've reached a threshold value of an RPN, you need a recommendation or not. Same thing in the HAZOP, the risk ranking is of a certain color, so if it's a red, uh, well, it's mandatory recommendation. If it's an orange, it's a pr pr pretty clear indicator that you will need a recommendation as well. Uh, and if it's a yellow, you are free to have a recommendation or not. It's at the discretion of the team. But in a HACCP, it's very open-ended. It's at the discretion of the team performing the HACCP. Of course, you can choose to have a strict um, application of risk assessment as well. But generally speaking, traditionally, it's more subjective, it's more vague in, in a HACCP. A consequence could be relatively serious, quote unquote, or uh, reasonably likely to occur based on the experience uh, of the uh, HACCP, uh, HACCP team. Generally speaking, when you step back and you look at all these techniques, what primarily differentiates one risk assessment from another is the nature of the system. The um, you know, the product itself, the life, life cycle of it, uh, whether it's a recurring process, a continuous process, a batch process, who is the audience, and are you looking at the integrity of the process or the system? Are you looking at, you know, uh, is it a procedure? Uh, ultimately, you're always looking at four different impacts, risk of injury to people, environmental impact, financial impact, reputational impact. So your focus on a specific aspect of an impact like environment, if that was your focus, so let's say you're looking at environmental risks in a certain application, then you would do an environmental risk assessment, quote unquote, an ERA. The actual process of doing the risk assessment is similar to an FMEA, what if, has and such, but your focus is on the environmental impacts. That's a very simplified version of things, but overall, when you look at a HACCP versus um, versus an FMEA versus a HAZOP. Historically, they've come about differently. HACCP came from the efforts of NASA and Pillsbury as a company. They were contractors to NASA. FM, uh, or sorry, that's the HACCP methodology. The FMEA or, you know, came from the US military. The HAZOP came from the you know, Imperial Chemical Industries in the 1960s. So they have started, they, were, they, were, uh, they came about in different ways historically. Um, but if you just step back and think about it logically, uh, if you are creating or designing a new risk assessment technique by yourself from scratch, you will come up with the same steps. You will need the right team. You'll need to schedule a meeting. It's a brainstorming session. Then you look for scenarios, consequences, causes, controls, and so forth. Uh, and then you rate them because the def, you know, the the formula for risk is the same: consequence times um, uh, times likelihood equals risk, and and you develop uh, sort of uh, in your applications, you sort of hone it. And as the technique evolves over time, 
when you apply it to a car versus an, a, a laptop versus a satellite uh, versus a weapon system uh, versus a food processing or you know the food that the astronaut takes to space versus the food that your kid takes to school, these applications require a scientific understanding of the uh, in the proper sort of uh, you know fine level of detail of that equip or system or process, and you find yourself looking at an FMEA that's best suited for systems uh, for quality risk. Uh, when you have lines and continuous operations, then a HAZOP is best suited because you can create deviations. But when you're looking at food and introduction of bacteria, uh, or, or sorry, bi biological sort of hazards, that, that's bacteria and viruses and such, um, and chemical hazards and physical hazards, well, that's HACCPS is the one that has evolved and all the nuances of that technique are best suited for the food industry and any t anything that's ingested by, by humans. For, you know, so yeah, that could be medical devices that are used in you know, surgeries, for example, uh, or uh, you know, uh, drugs that we, you know, we take as well, and uh, of course, you know, food. So the, the, the evolution of these assessments or techniques in these different areas means that it would be kind of wasteful for you to pick deliberately something out of the uh, norm because there is a good reason for it it's, you know, it has evolved in such a way that there are the nuances and the different parameters that they have described in these techniques are already quite evolved. You should still be able to, if you are a very good team and you, just for the sake of an experiment, if you try doing an FMEA on the same process of a, in a food processing plan, you, it will work. It will work just fine. You will just spend a little bit more time and you may come up with different ways of looking at the same information, uh, but if it's a HACCP, you will come up with a very concrete corrective actions. You'll come up with very concrete critical limits, and it's a very precise notion. You know, the humidity control, temperature control. Everybody knows if you're, you know, how to make sure that your burger patty is, uh, you know, safe is to cook it, right? So the temperature control on the burger patty is a critical. Um, uh, you know, you can set critical limits on the temperature at the point when that burger patty is being cooked. So, you know, it's pretty straightforward and easy to understand. There is also the the uh, the aspect of uh, training people. So, if you go in to a restaurant and talk about FMEs and HAZOPs, well, it's not going to be as well received or as if you were to you know share with them the HACCP because it's, first of all, it's already something that's required. Uh, across the globe. It is well known as a technique and they're more conducive to or they're more, um, people are more receptive to to certain terminal, certain terms and, and methods and that's sort of how even though technically, strictly speaking, uh, they are quite similar but the differences are in the, in its application. So when you are doing uh, food safety management, use a HACCP. <laughs> when you're doing, uh, you know, hazards and operability or PHAs, use a HAZOP with guide words and, uh, and parameters. That's a HAZOP for your chemical industry. Uh, use uh, a, a, for quality risk, use an FMEA because they have evolved to a point where the parameters help you focus on the right things right away. 
and I hope that uh, that helps. That was all very informative. Thank you so much. So that is all the time we have for this episode of Sphere Now. Thank you again, Randra Paul, for joining us and being our guest a second time. And we look forward to having you back as a uh, guest once again. Thank you, Ellen. It was a pleasure. So I am your host, Ellen Bremseth, signing off. This concludes the episode of Sphere Now. For more content on topics such as these, we encourage you to visit sphere.com. S-P-H-E-R-A. While there, feel free to click contact and submit any feedback on this podcast or any topics you'd like to see us cover. Thank you and have a great rest of your day.